Uh, the thing I have to tell you is that, I don't know, the movie follows the book very closely. So feel free to go off on tangents because I will. <laughs> I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. And welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen. But as we do roughly every month, one of us morphs into a moviesman, a filmsman. <laughs> right. And it's usually, honestly, a horrifying and painful uh, transmorphication into a movie. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And I hate I- to see it. Normally, when I have to change from a booksman into a moviesman, I tell you, Tim, chain me in the basement because it's it's going to be horrific. And if you don't chain me to some pipes or something, I'm going to hurt somebody. And uh, luckily, you're too weak to ever hurt anybody. <laughs> oh, I could hurt people. You can't hurt anybody. Maybe with some of the illegal weapons you've ordered I don't have from any, the internet. No, I threw out an illegal weapon that I had somewhat recently. I had a taser that I ordered off of Amazon because years ago somebody told me, like, yeah, you can order tasers off Amazon. I'm like, tasers are illegal. Not tasers, uh, just like a stun. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, not a yes. stun gun, just a stunner. I mean, Taser yeah. is like a company. It's something. It didn't shoot out a thing. Yeah, it, it didn't just, like, shoot out a thing. You had to hit somebody with it. Right. You had to like hold it up against them. And do yeah. It. Um. And I ordered one just because I was like, these are illegal in New York. There's no way they're going to ship it here through Amazon. And sure enough, Amazon delivered. <laughs> Amazon sent me like Thanks, it was Jeff Bezos, and it was like twelve dollars. And this thing just looked incredibly cheap and unsafe. Like the plug that plugged it into the wall, I don't know, it it felt like it wasn't made out of the same type of metal that every other wall plug I've ever seen is made out of. And it didn't have those like holes in it like American plugs have, like in the oh, actual yeah. prongs. So I was just like, ah, I don't tr I don't trust this. To A, save me in like a life-threatening situation, but also to like plug into my wall and not explode. Yeah. So You don't have that weird knife thing anymore? I still have that weird knife thing that I bought in Thailand. But again, I think it looks scarier than it would be in reality because I bought that for like $2 off of a street vendor who was stationed outside of a uh, like a sex club that I didn't Man, go you've in. You lived a lifetime, Reynolds. I no. When I was in Thailand, I was there for a wedding. Uh, My uh, biggest regret, by the way, was I was afraid of flying at the yeah, time. Yeah, you had never traveled. Wedding. You had never traveled internationally, and I yeah. mean that was a hell of a flight. It was like I don't know, twelve hours to. I don't know if it's 12 hours, maybe nine hours to Tokyo and then like another six hours to Bangkok. Uh, it was it was an ordeal. Um, yeah. But 
uh, you know, I was there for a couple of weeks and, uh, uh, a friend of the show, Sergio was, uh, and Chisa a friend of the show were getting <laughs> married over there. And, um, they had bachelor and bachelorette parties while we were there and the bachelors. And how was the bachelorette party? It well, my joke. oh, cause I'm a bachelorette. No, Tim, I was a. No, I wasn't a bachelor at that point. I had a girlfriend who was also there with me. But um, the bachelor party, we just went to like a cigar club, uh, which okay. was which was fun. I mean, I don't really smoke cigars, but if I get real drunk, I'll smoke a cigar. So I got real drunk and then smoked a cigar, <laughs> and it was fine. Uh, but then all the girls were like, Hey, I was, uh, you know, we met up with them later that night. This wasn't like a, like, uh, Hey, what's, what happens in Bangkok stays in Bangkok. All the girls, the hangover three, right. All the girls went to like the, the, uh, uh, strip clubs, I guess they, I mean, they're like more than a strip club it's like a strip club where then you could also be like i'd like to have sex with that stripper and they'd be like okay well go up to the register and tell them and they'll (laughs) tell you how much that costs and then you go in that room and have sex with them or you have them perform uh from a variety of things you didn't think were possible (laughs) sex acts that aren't even like you know will make you horny to watch it's just like a circus just like more of like a curiosity a curiosity a uh a feat of strength (laughs) type Mm. thing with body parts you didn't think could do certain things um you seem to know a lot about this although this wasn't a an official stop on the bachelor party route. Did you do well, some exploring on your own? No. Well, first off, anytime you walk past these places, they had placards out talking about all the different things they could do, all the different shows they had. And and that was what, you know, I don't know how many, I don't think like male strip clubs, like a Chippendales is very... What's the deal with Chippendale and Chippendale, the Rescue Rangers? I've never, I've never. What's the connection there? What came first? That's what I want to know. Um, But I don't think I I know if they have those types of places. They are certainly not as prevalent as as female performers in in these clubs. So they went to a female bar. And they said, basically, they fucked up everything in there because there were a bunch of, like, American and European men in there that all of a sudden when a bunch of, like, American and Australian women walked in, they were like, forget it. (laughs) And, like, went somewhere else to not be humiliated. Um but uh, But, yeah, then they also told us about, you know, the the type of... uh, entertainment that was on offer shooting darts out of orifices that you wouldn't believe could shoot darts for example Mm -hmm. that type of thing yeah tom chippendale the Mm -hmm. the cartoon characters the rescue rangers yahoo answers Mm -hmm. um which is of course the (laughs) the standard in answers 
Yeah. Uh, they premiered in uh, 1943. Right. In a Disney short called Private Pluto. Mm-hmm. Which was um, uh, a sex film about yeah, Pluto's pr- privates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chippendales, uh, the uh, male... Uh, Strip Club. The Sexy Man Review mm-hmm. was established uh, in 1979. Okay, so Chippendales took their name from the Disney cartoons, right? Yeah, which is which is a weird thing to do, I think. Especially with the type of litigious company Disney is. Yeah. To have not gone after them, like, especially, you know, they go after... Uh, kindergartens that paint Mickey Mouse on the wall. Okay, here's here's another situation. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, the the word Chippendale mm-hmm. is also an English surname. Surname, Tom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there was a carpenter, uh, a famous carpenter, Thomas Chippendale. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a, a style of furniture um, that is essentially just kind of uh, referred uh, to as Chippendale furniture. Um, and that's like sex benches and stuff, swings. I think it's just normal. <laughs> I think it's like chairs and uh, yeah, right. armoires. Yeah, that's what the normies want you to think. And apparently the Chippendale character, Chippendale, were named after Thomas Chippendale. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I remember all those cartoons where Chip and Dale built furniture. I mean, you never saw a Chip and Dale cartoon. <laughs> no, I hated Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. I would always change the channel when that came on. Yeah, and I mean, they were around for 40 years before that. Yeah, and when that, like, what was that, 80s, 90s show came out, I don't know, it just seemed boring to me. Yeah. The I NES game the always seemed like fun. Uh, I like Darkwing Duck for what it was. Darkwing Duck was okay. DuckTales was okay, but like I didn't like uh, Tailspin. No, Tailspin and Chippendale Rescue Rangers, that was baby shit. Let's be honest. Yeah. We're far enough Gummy removed. Bears. We can admit that as baby shit. Gummy Bears was before then, I feel like. Yeah, but it, it like kickstarted it. That that's why that was like they're like, "Ooh, there's something here." Yeah, we can do baby shit. Speaking of baby shit, Tom, mm-hmm. you watched a movie in which a baby <laughs> dies. Hey, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, Tim, this week I watched Pet Cemetery, the original 1989 Pet Cemetery, starring uh, uh, Fred Gwynn. Herman Munster. As yeah. Herman, did he play Herman Munster? We'll Stephen get to King, it. Stephen King must have been psyched. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it would be psyched. Fucking uh, uh, William Shakespeare would be psyched if he got Fred Gwynn to to be in his movie. If he made a movie. William Shakespeare would have been psyched or would have dropped dead if he saw (laughs) a movie. Like a motion picture? Yeah. They were like, we're going to show you this movie of a train coming out the screen. (laughs) Um. Fred Gwynn, by the way, was, I may not have been paying enough attention. I I wouldn't stake my life on this, but I think he was second build in this movie. 
If he wasn't second build, he was third build, but I'm pretty sure he was second build. I would expect him to either be first build or uh Well Lewis and it, Fred Gwynn as right, right. Judd, uh what's his well, name? I Judd mean, Crandall. Lewis is gonna be first build. Maybe. I mean billing has nothing to do with you know, you get Fre- you get a Fred Gwynn. Yeah. Fred uh, well we'll get into it. Anyway, the movie starts uh, the movie starts with like long credits, which I, you know, I always forget that that's how movies used to start, which is just boring as hell. Start can off. I, can I, wait, hold on. Uh-huh. Sorry, sorry. Start, start off, off with, with a, with a cold open action scene, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> start off with a, a time, crazy stunt. There was a time when like there was a uh, fun opening credits where like, you know, remember uh, in the Pink Panther movies, like it, it was just about like people, human beings, and stuff. But the opening credits would have the the cartoon of the well, Pink Panther. Well, no, I won't say that that was good because then that tricked me as a kid into thinking like, great, a cartoon movie, like like I love to watch. And then all yeah. of a sudden, uh, Inspector Cousteau shows up, and I'm like, where's the Pink Panther? Yeah, I remember my dad showing me the Pink Panther when I was very young. Yeah. Like, probably, like, five. Mm-hmm. And he rented it, and he's like, this is a very funny movie. It is a very funny movie, but also, uh, like, the, the, you see the Pink Panther in the opening credits. Yeah. And then the movie starts, and then I'm just like, I can't wait till that Pink Panther. It was <laughs> probably going to be some sort yeah, of I mean, that, Who that's Framed Roger ins- Rabbit situation where exactly. he comes crashing through the door. That's who Inspector Crusoe is after, this this Pink Panther uh, cartoon. You yeah. know what? I got to keep that in mind as I, you know, uh, uh, get older and like, you know, my niece says, I'm like, ah, check this out. That like, have to, have to shift to a child like view of like no this is boring as hell this is the most boring thing i could ever imagine watching show me cartoons my my nephew um is into elmo Mm -hmm. he's into um hey who is actually gotten into the uh studio ghibli films oh really yeah yeah so he's he's big into my neighbor totoro okay yeah i've never seen that but it's supposed to be like one of the best movies ever made yeah um, but he's into you know they're all on HBO Max puppets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I knew that that was all on HBO Max, so I texted my brother today. Hey, um, has uh, your son, my nephew, ever seen? Uh, did you watch American Utopia? David Burns American Utopia <laughs> with him? I think he'd like it. And my brother's just like. No, we didn't watch that, and I don't think he'd like it. It's for grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he would like this just like... He likes watching people play instruments, and like that's oh, all okay. people playing instruments and yeah. dancing around and stuff. I don't know. Man. That could be fun for a, for a three-year-old. I don't think... No, we've talked about it on the show. It's a lot of fun to watch, American Utopia. You have to be in a certain type of mood, I think. Yeah, but if you're three, the mood is always like, That's let's get some true. music going and let's start dancing around. Yeah, I don't know. Kids want more costumes than American Utopia has. That's They're true. Not I think just the get... bare feet would freak them out. Well, I would hope so, unless you you got a real creep on your hands. <laughs> you see, and this is kind of a, like, 
to my brother, like, hey, why don't you show him this to see if he's going to be a creep? Yeah, zoom, he's really into the feet. Then zoom gotta, in on it a little bit so he can't see all the uh, bare feet going on here. No, Although, you show him the bare feet and see how he reacts. Oh, like a test, I see. Yeah, and if he really responds to the bare feet, then you got to send him away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pet Cemetery, Tim, 1989. Uh, the movie starts off with a lot, like, even more foreshadowing than the book, I feel like. Because it starts off with just slow uh, creep over, like, all the tombstones in the Pet cemetery, And, you know, just focusing in on the uh, epitaphs. I guess there, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of the oh, description okay. of the epitaphs in the book. And then the first time we see the house, we see a goddamn 18 wheeler flying past it. So mm-hmm. you've already got that idea in your head. Um, the family shows up. I feel like the, this is happens more in movies, but I think it did happen in this book, too. I, and I hate this in movies where like a family moves to a new house and one of the spouses has never seen the house. <laughs> I mean, this happens in the book. Yeah. And um, how often does that happen in real life? Probably not all that often. I mean, However, certainly not I anymore. Never, and I've never been a part of a move. Um from one state to another, like right. a, 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 like across yeah, I guess, half the yeah. country, mm-hmm. and I don't have kids, and like I could see a guy accepting a job, and the way that is kind of um, uh, portrayed in the book, yeah, it's like um, he got this job, and they had to move very quickly, right? Um, they okay. had two young kids at home. They lived in Chicago. This was in Maine. He had a realtor that he trusted that like. Uh, sent them information about a few houses and like mm-hmm. he was able to fly off for a weekend and see them and kind of close. The okay. Deal. I mean, I guess it also makes sense. Like in the eighties, real estate wasn't as expensive as it is now too. It wasn't like this, like, well, I'm going to make a decision that weighs on us for the next 30 years, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And, um, I think, uh, in the book, they're portrayed as like, even though he's a doctor, mm-hmm. they are like kind of on a tight budget, right? And, but like they can still afford this big, beautiful house on like this huge plot of land. I right. don't know how it looks in the movie. Well, but they're in Maine; they're in the middle of nowhere, right? Uh, I will say, a they shot this all in Bangor, Maine. Uh, that was twenty minutes from uh, Stephen King's home. Yes, he was on set apparently all the time because it was right down the road. And it was apparently also a uh, a clause in his contract, like I'm selling these movie rights, but this has to be shot in Maine. Hmm. That that was one of his stipulations, which I think is a good stipulation. I think that 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 is a big part of the book that it takes place in Maine, which is remote but also they're in this like kind of college town so it kind of has that uh that interesting mix of like we're not removed from everybody but where we live we're not on top of each other right which is i think you know the the way this story works uh 
pretty early I, on. What? Go ahead. No, no, go on. Go on. Well, I I'll, was going to I was going to say we meet Fred Gwynn's Judd pretty instantly. You know, with, within the first few minutes of the movie, he comes over and introduces himself. Uh, what I always, what I neglected to mention, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, he's always smoking a cigarette. Is that the case in the movie? He smokes cigarettes a lot in this. Not always, but actually, I think for an 80s movie, <laughs> not that much. <laughs> Just like as much as anybody else in the, in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Like he smokes a cigarette less than like any of the Ghostbusters <laughs> doing Ghostbusters. Um uh, but man, I love his main accent in this. Like when he talks about the cemetery, he's like, oh, the cemetery. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the cemetery. Yeah, we can go there if you want. <laughs> um, I love it. But Tim, what you may not know is that Gage is played by Miko Hughes, one of the famous kids from Kindergarten Cop and from uh, 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 Full House. The kid who suggests to Arnold Schwarzenegger that it might be a tumor. That's who plays uh, 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 Gage Creed. Wow. This was his first role, Tim. He was 31 months old during this, which is insane. Two and a half-ish? Yeah, you rarely hear of an actor's age in months. (laughs) But but, uh, that's what you hear, because apparently at the time, there was a a bit of a controversy about... uh, that that some of these scenes were a little much to be putting a child that young into. Well, Miko Hughes, I've always said, true professional, so don't worry about Miko. Yeah, I mean, in the scenes I saw, A, I think any of the, like, gory things, it was kind of like, I don't know, it's a kid, they... If as long as you're showing them, like, oh look, we're putting this on, yeah, the, they're, they're like, oh know. whatever, yeah. it's jelly. Um, and then there are some scenes with an animatronic Miko Hughes that are <laughs> pretty disturbing, just because you're like, why is that? Why is this kid all of a sudden obviously a puppet? I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, that that's scarier than anything. <laughs> Tom, can I tell you, Miko Hughes was also in the film Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis, um, which evidently in Italy was called <laughs> Code Mercury. And and was it like one of the biggest movies of the year in Italy? <laughs> uh, I, I imagine it was. It's, to this day, it's the highest grossing uh, <laughs> Italian box. Can I, can I ask you hey, to... Uh, what? I was going to say, hey, if you're an Italian fan, sound off in the comments. I feel like we haven't heard from many Italians ever. They don't speak the language, Tom. Some of them do, Tim. You and you're always racist doing your Italian spicy meatball bit. Um, but I feel like that's actually one of the one of the countries in Europe. I I can't remember us having like a 
more Certainly than maybe not. one or two people reach out to be like, hey, I'm in Italy and uh, I love it a podcast. Hey, uh, sound off from where you are in the comments. We did that a couple <laughs> oh, weeks Jesus. ago. People did yeah, it. Tom. I know. Hey, how about this? Uh, <laughs> Sound off with your favorite soup in the comments. Mine is French onion. <laughs> what were you going to say before I interrupted about uh, Italy? The Internet Movie Database, imdb.com, uh-huh. um, lists the known for section for for um, an actor. Right. Right, when you click on it. There are four projects um, that Miko Hughes listed. is known for? No, no, for Fred for Fred Gwynn. Oh, okay. TV's Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. Um, Pet Cemetery's Judd Crandall. Um, it's a baffling order to me. <laughs> okay. Um, number one, and I assume that these are 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 in order, right? Right, in like, some kind of like order where people number. search or whatever or click. All right. Now, keeping in mind that this is the Internet Movie Database, right. but also Number one CD is My shows. Cousin Vinny, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two? Mm-hmm. He was the judge in My Cousin Vinny, for anybody that doesn't remember. Yeah. The guy who said, the two Utes? Um, yeah, you honor the two Utes. We're today, winning uh, over all the Italian audience this week. <laughs> today, uh, America's uh, mayor, Rudolph Giuliani... Um, oh, reference. recited an entire scene from my cousin Vinny to to make a point. Was it the two youth scene? No, it was one where like he had a witness stand. Uh, Joe Pesci had a witness stand on one side of the courtroom, and Joe Pesci went on the other side and held up two fingers and asked oh, yeah. the witness. Uh-huh. And uh, how many fingers am why, I holding up? Yeah, he claimed that's why you know the U.S. <laughs> government should turn into a fascist fucking yeah. state. Anyway, um, number two. Mm-hmm. Take a guess. Uh, not the monsters and not Pet Cemetery. I'm assuming. I don't know. No, it's Pet Cemetery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> number three. Monsters. Car fifty four. Where are you? Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. And I mean, I'm surprised four. that's number three, but I remember as a kid on Nick at Night watching Car 54, Where Are You? Yeah, it, all I remember was the was the theme song, which is great. Yeah, Car 54, Where Are You? Um, and then number four is The Monsters, but it just seems to me that Fred Gwynn, uh-huh. I don't care how big of a movie My Cousin Vinny was, I felt like that was stunt casting. Like my cousin Vinny, when he was the judge in that movie, they were like, "Oh, that's Herman Munster. Remember that guy?" Oh, I felt like it was stunt casting until I saw his scenes, and I feel like he was just so good in the scenes that it was like, "No, this isn't stunt casting. This is just a." He fits this role of just like. A judge who's a bit incredulous to all this, but also like a little amused about everything. <laughs> he, yeah. I, he, he did a. Everybody in that movie is perfectly cast. I think He's that pretty, that's, that yeah. that's really why that movie's so good. That you know, him, 
uh, Ralph Macchio. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you got, uh, uh, what's her name? Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei. Uh, my biological clock is ticking and she's stomping. Uh, and then you got Joe Pesci as the, as the lawyer. Great movie. Well, America's Mayor Rudolph Giuliani uh, today cited it as um, one of his favorite law movies uh, because it's uh, because uh, Joe Pesci's from Brooklyn. Well, I don't know. Maybe I, I I've mentioned on this show how uh, uh, the Perry Mason books are currently published by the American Bar Association. The only. <laughs> novels the american bar association publishes despite the fact that they are one of the best-selling series of all time so may who knows maybe the american bar association one day will put out the the holograms for uh my cousin Vinny. do you think the american bars <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if they like made the major the vast majority of their money by printing perry mason novels <laughs> It's crazy that it fell to them as I think it was like the seventh best. No, not even. I feel like it was higher up, like best selling uh, crime novel or, or any novels, any yeah, series of all time. Yeah. And it's like Agatha Christie novels still get published because they're great. And Perry Mason stories are great. Like, well, you I, just like the racism. There's. Perry Mason's a good man. I don't know. I only no, wa- in the Agatha Christie books. Oh, the- <laughs> right. Well, and I don't know. Uh, Perry Mason in the HBO series is a good man, yeah. but I, I don't know about him in uh, in the books. So I can't speak um, to that. I think he was though. Last thing I'll say is, uh, as a young man, Fred Gwynn was pretty handsome. <laughs> As a young man, I had a big time crush on Fred Gwynn. No, no, no. We look up Fred Gwynn on IMDb right now, Tom. Look at his, oh, look I thought at you picture. were saying when you were a young man, you thought Fred Gwynn was no. Pretty, no. I that's look not at, even a joke. I legitimately thought that's what you were talking about. I no, think, I mean uh, in Car Fifty Four, I think he was you know the handsome guy because the other guy was like the fat guy. You'll have to excuse uh, for a few minutes as me and Tim just peruse some photos of Fred Gwynn. Now he's a good looking man. Yeah, just that main picture. He looks pretty cool. He looks like a cool guy. Classically handsome. Yeah. You uh, know, strong chin, strong you know, jawline. Yeah, you know what? I think he's he's got that John Ham handsomeness. Where like yeah. John Ham had a lot of trouble early in his career because you know when he was twenty five, he looked like he was forty still. Uh, I think that's the case for Fred Gwynn. Yeah, you know he's look. Let's not mince words. Fred Gwynn has a huge face. <laughs> it's a huge face. It's fine. It's good. It's well, yeah, well. and I think that's he, what, that's he what grew some into casting it. Casting director was like, okay, he's going to be the head of a household, but he's going to be a Frankenstein, <laughs> right? And look, we put bolts in his neck. And, look, uh, we put bolts in his neck, and we give him a a big forehead and a flat top. It's not even going to take up half his face. He's got face yeah. to spare. Exactly, and 
also i think you're right like i don't know maybe it's because i was a young child in 1992 but i thought he was i don't know 95 years old (laughs) in my cousin Vinny. the man passed away when he was 66 oh wait he passed away when he was 66 yeah he was like 64 65 in my cousin Vinny. that's nuts because especially nowadays, that's, you know, just not viewed as very old. Yeah. I saw a mutual friend of ours post on Facebook about uh, he was getting like a, 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 like an ACL surgery or something. And, and the doctor is like, well, yeah, we're going to do this because like you're still young. You can still like play sports and stuff. And he was like, really? Yeah, yeah there's a guy about our age. And uh, the doctor told him, like, oh, yeah, we consider anything under 50 young now, and that keeps going up. Hey, we still got it. Hell, yeah. It's time to start our sports careers, finally. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So in the movie, Judd lives across the street, but I thought in the book he lived next door. No, he lived across the street because that oh, was the okay. whole thing. Like, uh, they always had to cross that horrible street. Okay, to get yeah, because in the movie, the first time he hangs out, he has to cross the street. And I was like, you know, and of course, like, right before he crosses, an 18-wheeler flies by. Um, but, yeah, he goes and hangs out with them. Once again, it seems like, especially with Fred Gwynn playing the role, what a treat it must be. To hang out with Fred Gwynn having a having a six pack on the porch. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I would love that. My evenings are nowhere near that exciting. I look, just having an old man friend across the street that I can have some beers with. There's an old man across the street that talks to my dog sometimes. And like I I don't like it because sometimes I see this old man like getting into like scream he's never been anything but nice to me. But sometimes I see him getting into like screaming arguments with people and that's always on my mind of like, you know what, one day he might scream at me like that. So I yeah, never engage or your dog. T- right. So I never engage too much. And he's also I, I think I've actually talked about this guy on the show. He's also one of these guys where like if you're parallel parking, he takes it upon himself like, oh, I'll run over and help you. Uh, it's yeah. like, oh, boy, the last thing I want is anyone watching me parallel park. Yeah. I can do it great on my own. If somebody's watching me, it's like I'm 15 again trying to understand how a car works. You know what? I'm, uh, I, I agree. That's the worst thing. And then it's not only my, like, neuroses – it's like I can. I know I my car. Of, I like I yeah, understand I think, it. I think one of my strengths as a parallel parker is that, like, if I come in wrong and I fuck it up, yeah, I think I'm pretty good at knowing how to <clears throat> make slight maneuvers to get it in there. Like, I'm not one of these people that needs to like up. Oh, I fucked it up. I gotta pull out and start again. It's like. No, I know the incremental moves to to <laughs> the that that will get me over towards the curb. See, I would say the opposite is true for me. I actually had to do a, a fairly tough parallel park job today. Uh, put a pin in that. I have a question for you <laughs> that might not be interesting to anyone, but um, 
I had to do a parallel park job today and I could have gotten it in, but I knew, nah, I'll, I'll pull out. And I pulled back out and got it in like two movements, just like slid in. Because I knew, like, nah, I fucked this up. This isn't worth trying to save. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But if there's some guy there and, like, you're still a foot from the curb, yeah. right? And he's like, what are you doing? I told you yeah. to cut. Hey, and, hey. and I just want to be like, no. This will be, like, 15 moves, but it'll be very rapid because <laughs> I know I'll, like, cut the wheel, move up three inches, cut the wheel, right. move back three inches, and, like, inch my way yeah over, yeah i do and that then, sometimes and then i'm yeah. within in like using the curb as a guide so yeah my back tire is going to hit the curb a little bit at right point zero 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 one mile per hour right and that's I'm when not, i know i'm when not to gonna cut park it. on the sidewalk you moron yeah and it's just like let me just do this. I know how to get my car right. close to the curb. Mind your from mind here. your own business. Just Everyone in New York here, minds man. their own business ninety nine percent of the time, but some people are like, "Oh, I'll help yeah. you park." Um, have you noticed that it's harder to park re- recently, or is yeah. that just my neighborhood? Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, the combination of a lot of uh, parking spots are being taken up by um, uh, curbside dining. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. And I think more people have gotten cars um, in the pandemic because public transit uh, yeah. is scary. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I've been so thankful to have a car. <laughs> I haven't been on a subway in nine months. Yeah. So, anyway, um, what? Yeah. I think when this is all over, I still think it should be annoying to own a car in New right. York. Well, and that's what... And I say that as a car owner. I think right. it should be, like, difficult and, like, hopefully, you know, discourage the ownership and overuse of cars. Yeah. I rarely use my car for anything other than traveling outside the immediate area. Like, I do not use my car for errands or whatever. Like, I still right. take the subway and bus during normal times, you know, 95% of the time. Yeah, if there are viable and convenient public transit options, then you would discourage, you. that would do more to discourage car use than anything else. Uh, so in this movie, back to the movie, ba- uh, yeah, back to the movie. I was going to say back to the beach, but that was last month. Yeah. Um the whole in the beginning of the movie, the whole family goes to the pet cemetery. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the book. Oh, no, it, it does. does. You just you, this is when you're. I know not- some of it. Oh, look, a lot of my notes. I was like, did this happen or was I not paying attention? Because remember, um, that's when we, the readers, first find out how um, freaked out um, Rachel is oh, by death. death. And also Ellie, the the daughter, that's yeah. when she's like, hey, is my cat going to die, though? Remember right. they have that whole conversation? Yeah, that happens. Uh, Rachel's hangups about death because of her sister don't become apparent until later. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they all go there. Um, oh, so in, in the movie, Fred Gwynn's character, Judd, Talks about how he uh, had his uh, dog Spot buried there. Mm-hmm. Is that in the book? Is the dog's name Spot? Yes, Tom. 
Well, because in the movie, Spot was the name of the dragon that lived under the stairs in the monsters. Oh, wow. So I thought maybe that. it was a monsters Easter egg for, you know, I was like, well, does this movie take place in the monster verse? I don't know. Imagine he was supposed to be Herman Munster as an old man. <laughs> he had the bolts <sighs> taken out of his neck. <laughs> or he just and the always... top of his head rounded. <laughs> he just wore a turtleneck and a hat. <laughs> um, pretty early on, uh, the Victor Pascal thing happens. Um, boy, it's gruesome as hell. Uh, yeah. Seeing his head, like, opened. Um, and uh, uh, Lewis is like, well, rest in peace. And, like, put you know, closes his eyes. But but Victor's obviously, I, I don't know if this was intentional, but you can see he's still breathing. <laughs> so huh. as he's doing this, I'm like, hey, man, that guy's still alive. Don't. Don't close his eyes like he's a dead person. And then the, you know, the Victor comes back to life and is like, hey, hey, you, Lewis, I I know a bunch of stuff I'm not supposed to know about you. Um, Later on, uh, you know, the cat dies. A bunch of stuff happens. Very similar to the book. The cat dies. Herman Munster takes Lewis out to the real pet cemetery um, they definitely did not capture that journey in the same way. Good. That journey is boring in the book, and it happens four well, times. It still happens. It's still a pretty long journey, but it's very regular. It's not huh. very supernatural. Their walk. Um, they yeah, they climb over a bunch of branches and stuff uh uh the cat drops a rat in the tub did that happen with lewis the cat is often bringing in like just mutilated rats that they, okay. it doesn't eat or anything it just kind of toys with um and then uh uh judd's wife kills herself that all happens she kills herself yeah okay i didn't think she killed herself in the book but she kills herself in the movie. She like how she pins a note to herself and then hangs herself in the basement. Oh no, she just dies of like a cerebral hemorrhage or something. Okay, in the book. I don't really know. What does why. the note say? It says like it's short. I forget what he even said. It was just like I didn't want to live anymore. Sorry, I killed myself. Something like that. Does it have to do with? Uh, does um when. When Gage comes back, does he still say that stuff about her? Um, uh, yeah, I'm pretty having sex with every man in town, and no, actually, her. I don't think he does say that. Okay, um, I mean, if he thought that was like she had guilt from that, and that's why she, but like, there's really no explanation for just, no, like, an just kind of like somewhat gloss. Uh, Look, it's either somewhat glossed over or, or I wasn't paying very close attention. But I think it was somewhat glossed over. I thought it was different. I thought, like, no, nah, she didn't kill herself. She's maybe a little bit weirder to Lewis and Rachel in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, says kind of weirder things to them. Uh, but, yeah, then she kills herself. Um Guess who presides over her funeral? 
I, I knew this from the USA Network. Like I said, I only caught like a little bit of this as a small child. And I think it was the funeral scene. And yeah. it's Stephen King looking really doughy and weird and out of place, right? I, You know what? I didn't think he looked that weird in it. For a second, I was like, oh, he's got a mullet. But I was like, no, he doesn't have a mullet. He just has like longish hair. Uh, he I looks like he, a guy that shouldn't be in a movie, though, right? No, I think he looks weird enough to be a priest. <laughs> um, I it, it didn't take me out of it. I th- I thought he actually he only had like maybe one line. Uh, did he but, look into the camera when he delivered it? <laughs> no, I thought he did a a good enough job that he wouldn't have noticed. Like, look, nobody except Fred Gwynn is is and uh miko hughes is doing a very good job acting here and i looked up both the uh like lewis and rachel the actress that played them they are both seemingly still like working actors uh you know doing like guest spots on tv shows but it didn't look like either of them had been in very many movies after this. They had both been in movies before it. Like, you know, it looked like kind of like hor- 80s horror sci-fi movies. And then, it, then they did this. And then after that, not very many movies. Right. Neither of them are terrible in it. But I just uh, thought it was interesting that I didn't recognize them from other things. Um, the, uh, uh, they're having a picnic or whatever and Gage is, uh, flying a kite and it gets away yeah. from him. And the daughter says it got away from him. That dumb shit. <laughs> the daughter says some pretty funny things in the book, but not as funny as that. Uh, so of course he goes running after the kite and nobody's really paying attention. Meanwhile, the same truck we've already seen like three times flying down this road is flying down the road again. And close up on the driver, he's rocking out to Sheena is a punk rocker by the Ramones. By the Ramones, yeah. The Ramones feature heavily in the book. As oh, well. really? Um, uh, well, uh, what's his face? Uh, Lewis is always thinking, uh, hey, ho, let's go in his head. Oh wow! He's doing every all the time, (laughs) every minute of the day. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Um, The Ramones uh, wrote and perform a song called "Pet Cemetery" that plays over the uh, the end credits. Tom, you will be surprised to know that that is the intro and outro song for books of the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, for uh, the entire uh, Pet Cemetery series, uh, it makes sense. Um, so the, the driver's listening to that, uh, he hits gauge somehow the truck flips over, you know, this is a very, uh, project green light truck flip where (laughs) (laughs) we're like, it kind of makes sense that like if the truck like completely slammed on the brakes, it might've like jackknifed over, but we don't see that happen. We just see the truck on its side. And then, um, you know, Lewis is just screaming, no. And as he's screaming, no, there's like an, like an iMovie style montage of just like family photos playing. <laughs> uh, okay. 
It's, it's real sad. Uh, his father-in-law at the funeral says that he hopes he rots in hell because he killed his son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a, the fight. The kid's arm falls out of the coffin and it's very fucked up. Um, that doesn't happen in the book. That uh, like no part of the kid actually falls out of the coffin, but like uh, oh, there's just like his hand falls out. Yeah, Lewis thinks he catches a glimpse of it, and it's like very traumatic. But right, I, I could see how how in film you'd need to like put a little yeah bit more show back. a hat. Yeah, and yeah. and Lewis is also very traumatized. Um, Later on, when when uh, uh, Rachel's going back to uh, Chicago, and they're at the airport, the father the father in law is like, "Oh, sorry about all that," and like offers a handshake, and Lewis just gives like the weakest handshake to him, <laughs> like just basically like pinches his hand and then lets go, <laughs> which I great response to like. Uh, during my son's funeral, you started screaming that I should rot in hell, that it was my fault. Like, I'm not going to make a big scene in the airport, but I'm going to give you a real weird, gross handshake. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are flashbacks to Rachel with her sister. In the movie, Rachel's sister in the flashbacks is played by a grown man in makeup. What? Really? Yeah. So it's like really disturbing. And I was reading about it and they said that they were casting, you know, just like very skinny 13 year old girls. And they were like, ah, everyone we saw, it was just like, no, nah, that girl seems nice. <laughs> like <laughs> She seems sweet. So they were like, we needed something like disturbing about it. And, and like in the book, she's described as like a literal monster. So I yeah, and and they they focus in on like her her bones and stuff, and like yeah, she looks horrible. And uh, I I think from what I read, that's what they said. They were like, at the end of the day, we realized like if we cast a like grown man in this part. It's gonna feel really off and scary the way like a 13 year old girl can't be scary. A grown man playing a 13 year old girl can be terrifying. (laughs) Um, So that happens. Uh, He hangs out with Judd a little bit more. Again, it looks like a really good time. Uh, I assume like he's telling a bunch of stories about from the set of the monsters. Yeah. Wait. What? Did you uh when the cat comes back? Yeah. Is there anything like or it's just normal like you like the way oh, that it, like what you would expect? Yeah, what you would expect. I will say this, very good cat acting. There is mm. there is one scene where the cat jumps down. Cat king. <laughs> the cat jumps down from the tree onto like a lower branch. And scares the shit out of Lewis, and it's very well done. Uh, reading about this, they said the toughest thing to get the cat to do was eat a pork chop uh, later on. Hmm. Uh, uh, Rachel's in Chicago. She realizes, like, wait, something's wrong. She has, like, a bad nightmare, I think, and she needs to get back to Maine. Um it struck me during this whole part. It struck me when when you were telling me about it. 
but how similar it is to 112263 of just like fate keeps getting in the way yeah or the universe or something right is, yeah which is what happens in 112263 when he's trying to prevent Lee Harvey Oswald from killing Kennedy time fights back to try and stop him from from doing this and it felt very similar um uh you know she gets into crashes etc um he goes he buries gage gage comes back gage uh goes after uh when gage goes after fred gwynn it's horrifying he cuts his now is it a puppet gauge no it's a real gauge he's not They've got like a minor scar on his forehead. It doesn't look as bad as you would think it would look. Mm -hmm. Um, But Miko Hughes, fantastic actor. So um, he cuts uh, his Achilles tendon and then he gives him like a Glasgow smile, like cuts his his, uh, lips, you know, his mouth. And then he bites his throat out. And like, boy, it's really uh, uh, fucked up. And they cut at one point to the cat watching the whole thing. And even the cat looks like it's like, yikes. All right, enough. <laughs> I'm uh, the same kind of demon and uh, I'm not I'm not on board with this. Right. Uh, and then the next time we see Gage, he's wearing a dress and he's got, uh, you know, his dad's scalpel. Um, I think it's the dress that like Rachel's sister was wearing, maybe. Yeah, I mean, when when in the book, right before he kills Rachel, um, he um he appears to Rachel as her sister. Oh, okay. Um, there's a quick shot of Lewis like waking up and falling out of his bed. When he falls out of his bed, it looks like he legitimately hits his head on the corner of the nightstand. In a way that, like, made me, like, like, ah, like, as I was like, oh, fuck, that looks like it really hurt. And that wasn't intentional, (laughs) but that was the the shot they they kept in it. It looked horrible. Well, realism, man. Yeah. Um, uh, You know, and then uh, every, you know, the rest of it is it's like the book. And then he injects Gage. When he injects Gage with the morphine, right? It's morphine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gage does like fantastic acting because he like cries afterwards, and in a way where you're like, "Oh no!" He just like killed a baby. <laughs> And then when Gage Gage like falls over and again it looks like he hits his head accidentally in a way where you're like, Oh Jesus, is anybody watching what's going on in the set here? Everybody's hitting their head really hard in ways that aren't intentional. Um and then he just gives this. Maybe they just had a really good special effects guy that was like he specialized in like making it look like people were hitting their heads. Maybe real hard. I don't think it was though. And then Gage gives this look to Lewis that's like a big frown that's really like haunting. Like mm-hmm. why'd you do that, Dad? And then he you know closes his eyes and dies. And, uh, yeah, and then that's, you know, basically it. The movie wraps up. 
Does he bury oh, his wife Rach- at the end? Yeah, Rachel's dead. He, 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 yeah, he, he tries to bury her at the end. Uh, Victor Pascal appears uh, a lot more in this, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's like influencing situations kind of. Yeah, he kind of does it. He comes to people like he came to Ellie in a dream to try to stop it. And... He like comes to Rachel, but Rachel can't see him. But he's telling her things like, hey, you should do this. And then she does it. But she can't see him. Yeah. He's like the good angel. He's described yeah. as a good angel. Right. Uh, so, yeah. That's uh, basically the way it ends. I'm. Do you know who directed this, this film? It was a female director. I forget her name. I know I Mayor- saw... Uh, uh, Stephen King wrote the screenplay. Yeah, Mary Lambert. Mm-hmm. Um, this was her resume beforehand. Madonna, Borderline. Oh video. yeah, I did see. Yeah, she was a music video director. The Go Go's, yes or no? Madonna, like a virgin. Um, the Go Go's, turn to you. Uh, Kim Carnes, Madonna, Material Girl, Eurythmics. Would I lie to you? Rod Stewart, Love Touch, Janet Jackson, Control, Janet Jackson, Nasty, Madonna, La Isla Benita. Like that's uh, you know that's that's quite a resume for a for a video director. Um, then her first feature, Tom. Have you ever heard of this movie called Siesta? No. An American skydiver wakes up in the middle of nowhere in Spain. And must recount the last five agonizing days to figure out how she got there. But That's it has, a... yeah, it has Ellen Barkin, Gabriel Byrne, Isabella Rossellini, Martin Sheen, wow. Jodie Foster. What? It's like a star-studded cast. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie. And then she did the Like a Prayer video for Madonna. And then That's she did a good video. That's my favorite Madonna video by yeah. far. It's a good one. She took everything that she learned from uh, making the film Siesta. Yeah. Um, and then also after Pet Cemetery, she did a uh, Tales from the Crypt episode, some Motley Crue videos. Um, <laughs> he says you do. A Queensryche video, and then Pet Cemetery Two. Yeah, it was Who uh, knew? with Edward Furlong. Really? That's yeah. what we should be watching. Yeah, actually, after I read about that, I was like, oh, I should have watched this. To, But it, from what I could tell, that movie is like, it's like, oh, a new family moves into one of these. I don't think the same house, but moves close to the same pet cemetery. Yeah. Yeah. Edward Furlong post, like coming right off T2. Right. Um, Huge star. And then Anthony Edwards also right. his second build. Man, I'm going to watch this movie. Um, I was reading that uh, the first choice for Lewis in this movie was Bruce Campbell. Yeah, that would, uh, I don't know. I don't see him as, uh, I mean, that would have been two very uh, big-faced men. In- <laughs> right. Too many big faces, I think, yeah. perhaps. Um also, uh, in the ABC version of The Shining, uh, which you remember had, uh, what's his name from Wings? Stephen Weber. Yeah. Uh, that Stephen King played Gage Creed 
in a band like the Gage Creed Experience or something that was playing at the Shining Hotel. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. There is also in the movie uh, the same uh, Cujo reference. And apparently also in the movie there was a lot of concern and it sounds like maybe even reshoots because they thought Lewis was too sexy. Was he? No, but I guess like they shot a scene where he was like in his boxers and they were like too sexy, too sexy. Um, So they like reshot it with him wearing uh, pajamas. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad this movie wasn't sexy because it should have been scary. And it sounds like it was. Was it scary? It was pretty scary. The The end part with with uh, Gage and everything, that took up the last third, the you know, act three of the movie. Um, so it sounds like it took up more than it did in the book. And that part was like legitimately scary with, you know, a two and a half year old with a scalpel, you know, slicing and dicing. Uh, but the rest of the movie, it had like jump scares with mostly with a cat. But other than that, it wasn't that scary. I get why as a kid, when I saw it, I was like, this is boring and turned it off. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't understand anything about atmosphere, Tom. But, but it wasn't bad. I, I don't think they needed to remake it. Yeah. And well, especially you'll like have to watch it. I, I've watched, you know, old uh yeah, I watched like the original It a few years ago, uh the ABC miniseries from Stephen King. And it's like, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like it was good, but none of the performances were very good. So it's like, oh, I get why they tried to remake that. Yeah, I mean Here's the thing. They don't remake movies because, like, the first one didn't, like... Right, yeah. You, the first one wasn't good enough. Yeah, they they remake movies because it's a property they think they can, that well, can make Well, I money. just think about how Stephen King wanted to remake The Shining because he didn't like that uh, the, the movie was changed. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but it was changed and then became, like, one of the like most critically acclaimed movies of all time. Yeah. I don't think you're going to beat this with Steven Weber and ABC. Part of it was in 3d Tom. That Well, I stand corrected then. Um, for the next poll, mm-hmm. what do you, uh, what, 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 I don't what? know. I've got to think about it. I think I, it might have to be a holiday themed situation. Tom, uh, somebody, that, uh, in Patreon is suggested, a Christmas Carol. I think that's probably too short to do. Maybe we could do a. I don't know. Let's get creative with it. But I like uh, theming these things. Yeah, yeah, theming's fun. All right. Well, think about it. I'll we'll put think it up about soon. It. For Christ's sake, Tom. Yeah, I put it up. It might be up now. No, I, I always say that not. it's yeah. never up. Hey, yeah, keep an eye like on your email. Six days later, Patreon will send you an email. Look out for that email. Hey, check your inbox for once. Hey, check your goddamn spam filter. Yeah. I have so many emails that I have to get back on this week. All right. Well, go send AJ an email. <laughs> and it'll take two seconds. I, I, 
Look, I put this stuff off too, and then it's you literally write a sentence. I know. I'm a bad person. I get it. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being a patron. Bye.